I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. President Biden and many Democrats and Republicans in Washington are going all in on electric vehicles. But R Street Institute's Ashley Nunez says current government incentives are only benefiting the rich and that we need to think again about those subsidies so more people who want to go electric actually can. Uh, Ashley joins us now. Again, he is the policy director for R Street's competition policy, was formerly with uh, MIT and the uh, transportation policy assessment efforts there at MIT, and uh, he joins us now. Ashley, thanks for chiming in on a Tuesday. Thank you for having me. So let's jump into this. Uh, in terms of the the subsidies, we see this in a lot of areas where uh, government thinks it's helping advance the cause of something like electric cars. Uh, tell us what's actually happening. Well, the Biden administration had originally proposed something in the order of about $174 billion towards boosting electric car sales. Now, the impetus for this, the necessity for this is clear. You know, uh, the goal, of course, is to decarbonize, it's to reduce emissions, and electric cars represent an important pathway towards achieving that goal. Unfortunately, what has happened, what we have seen time and time again across different markets, is that when the government invests large amounts of taxpayer money towards trying to get individuals to buy these vehicles, a we find rich people actually buying these cars, not necessarily middle-income and low-income households. And of course, that's problematic because if we think about emissions reduction, it's middle-income and low-income households that typically tend to own the most polluting vehicles versus these more fuel-efficient versions that rich households can afford. And this is where, you know, uh, you know I, I often joke that does uh, driving an electric car make sense? Absolutely. Does subsidizing one uh, make sense? Certainly not. Yeah. Largely, again, because it's rich people who are buying these cars, not necessarily middle-income and low-income households. Yeah, and I appreciate you framing it that way, Ashley, because I, I, I think we all can agree, okay, this this can be a good thing. This is going to be helpful. This is This is being good stewards of the land. This is... Uh, you know, good in terms of, of dealing with climate uh, and in a responsible way, but it's how we get there. Uh, and again, often as government tries to uh, make it work for everybody, it ends up working for nobody uh, in the end. Uh, and we've also seen this. I, I wanted to get your take on this uh, in terms of some of these subsidies and also just some of the subsidies that go to the organizations, to the businesses. Uh, we know uh, with the solar uh, you had big investments in, in places like Solyndra that actually inhibited a lot of innovation and competitiveness in the marketplace. 
That is true. I mean, there is often a concern that uh, there can be what we what economists call a crowding out effect. Effectively, mm. when you have the influx of large volumes of government capital, it can effectively disincentivize private enterprises from investing and bringing this technology to market. I think it's, it is important to note that the Biden administration should be commended for, you know, tackling climate change, for making a valiant effort to do so. And very often when public policies are put together and are implemented, they are done so with the best of intentions. But it's equally important uh, for there to be a course correction when we determine that these policies are not working out in the way in which they were intended. Oh, I think that's so vital. And I and I firmly agree with you, Ashley, that uh, the Biden administration should be absolutely commended for putting some of these things front and center. Uh, and then it's that willingness. We actually talked about this as it related to poverty programs uh, earlier in the show, that I think everybody wants that. Uh, but let's make sure that there's no waste, fraud or abuse. And let's make sure we're actually getting the outcomes uh, that we actually want. And and so I wanted to get to kind of a next phase with you in terms of how do we do that? How do we better incentivize, again, going back to electric vehicles, uh, how do how do we actually do that in terms of uh, creating the right kind of incentives uh, to really make this uh, impactful? Well, a, a few weeks ago, we released a paper in which we argued that if we are looking to decarbonize, if we are looking to reduce emissions, it is a much better option uh, to subsidize hybrid cars, not necessarily electric cars, mm. because consumer acceptance of hybrid cars, that run, these are vehicles that run on both gasoline and have an electric powertrain, a consumer acceptance of these vehicles is much, much higher than it is of traditional electric cars. It's important to remember that whenever we hear the administration and EV enthusiasts talk about these cars, they talk about range anxiety and recharging, etc. These are certainly important impediments, but they are not the only impediments. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we need to think about what are the challenges that the average American has when it comes to owning and operating an electric car, and what is the next best option available and in our view, that happens to be hybrid vehicles. Yeah. We think that if the Biden administration were to subsidize to some extent hybrid vehicles, we would see a significant reduction in emissions. And it's important to remember that this isn't a necessarily a, you know, a cutting edge or new idea. Right. The Obama administration subsidized a hybrid electric cars from, you know, um, uh, a few a few years ago, and as did during the as we saw a similar thing during the Bush administration between 2006 and 2010. So. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Just real quickly, we have about a minute to go. Um, obviously, we're talking a lot about infrastructure uh, and the infrastructure deals going on uh, currently. How do they play in uh, to this uh, electric vehicles or these hybrids? Well, unfortunately, uh, you know, I think um, the Biden administration is discovering the challenges associated with divided government. Originally, there was a call for in investing tens of billions of dollars in direct subsidies for electric cars. And if you look at what has been currently agreed upon, all those subsidies have effectively been stripped out. We have seen some subsidies being directed uh, towards building uh, charging stations across the country and towards buying electric buses. But there's very little, if any, dollars 
um, in terms of what's being proposed for actually putting more money um, back in the pocket of taxpayers when it comes to buying electric cars. Okay, fantastic. Ashley Nunez, uh, appreciate you joining us from uh, R Street. Uh, we love our R Street friends, and uh, you're focused there as policy director for the competition policy. This is this is really important that we get to this level of discussion as we're talking about everything from hybrids to electric call, cars to infrastructure, what the government subsidizes, what it spends on, and how it ultimately impacts our behavior uh, and what actually happens in our communities. Ashley, thanks for joining us today. All right, we'll go ahead and step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about an important principle. Restraint always works. Find out why coming up next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.